This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at Ravinia.org. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. To be from Chicago? What? It's pretty great. To be, to, to be a black woman from Chicago, like, this, I, I hit the lottery. <laughs> That's Ariane Nettles. And when I think about all that comes up during Black History Month, black culture, struggle, triumph, black futures, she's one of the first people that comes to mind. Ariane is a lecturer and director of audio journalism programming at Northwestern University's Medill School. And what I admire about her is that she's the type of person who leans into the history and cultural impact of her own hometown when most people just take their hometowns for granted. I wanted to talk to Ariane about how we can think differently about Black culture this month. Like, yeah, there are hella historical figures, especially out of Chicago. But what about the Black folks making history right now in the city? And when you talk about it like that, the concept of Black excellence is bound to come up. I started by asking Ariane what Black excellence means to her. I no longer think of Black excellence probably the same way that I think it was always traditionally maybe sold to us mm-hmm. as you must be the smartest, you must be the richest, you know, you must be the greatest in a certain way. I think that like what is really excellent to me is like really upholding certain values that I kind of deem important, you know? So mm. like are you are you there for your community? Are you a good person? Like are you being a model, a role model in a certain way, you mm-hmm. know? Cuz there's certain people who may not be like the most popular in their industry, but like I think that they are like what is my model of black excellence, yes. right? You know. Yes. Um because you can you can be a millionaire, a billionaire, and have, like, some really messed up ethics. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. Um, it's it's very complicated, you know, to, to think about it. And it's not, like you said, as simple as you think. There's some respectability politics, yeah, too, that can yeah. really come up a lot, um, which is just not helpful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which, is, which I think is hard. Like, I was born in 85, and so I think growing up in the 90s, I think that that was a time where, you know, respectability, pull up your pants, politics was really heavy. Yeah. And so I think that as an adult, I did have to, like, probably actively fight some of that mm. thinking. Um, but I think that life, you know, in general kind of pushed me to the point really quickly where it was like, no, that's not really what is excellent, right? Like, what are what are the things that maybe make you admire something. Yeah, for sure. I think that's another thing that definitely complicates things, you know, just because you may have these great accolades, you may be making a big impact in one way. Um, Not only does it not necessarily mean that you're going to pull people behind you up with you or even pass the baton, but sometimes, you know, a lot of times it just ain't easy, Mm -hmm. you know, in general. Mm -hmm. I think about, you know, a conversation that 
I had with some folks on the When Magic Happens podcast. And Cheryl, one of the co-hosts, was saying, you know, she was one of the first black students at her elementary school. Mm. She was, you know, one of the first black leaders, um, the first black leader at a couple of companies that she's worked at, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's talking about, I mean, you know, there's it's one thing to have that as something on your resume, but it's another thing to actually experience it. Because oftentimes we're either first year or the only, and that is yeah. not easy. Yeah, and at what cost, right, you know? And I am a person that thinks that if somebody wants to maybe be in a space, that we have every right to be in that space, right? We have every right to kick down every door. But if it costs you, you know, your sanity, if it costs you your peace, if it costs you so much stuff, then is that as much of an accomplishment in that way? Mm, Maybe it's more of yes. a sacrifice and not even an accomplishment, right? Like, like what is it? You know, so I think that um, collectively, I think we're even starting to maybe now more so say, well, if this is the first year that a person, for example, is winning a certain award, that looks really bad on that organization, right? That in 2024, this is the first time that a black person is winning that thing, right? This is the first time that a black person is getting that position. Um, And so I think that what was the traditional accomplishment, right? Like a kind of library of firsts Mm -hmm. is not necessarily seen as the same thing because we know that the sacrifices people take um, and what it can do to a person when they get in those roles. Yeah. I kind of want to bring the conversation to Chicago as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you have... The Ida B. Wells, the DuSables, the Kanye's. Yeah. And then, you know, there are those kind of unsung heroes, right? And I, I would love to hear you talk about the people in Chicago that are notable to you, um, the ones that are most revered in the city. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that what is really interesting about being a Chicagoan is that I think that the people who are living legends to me are perhaps everyday people they are the people that are often doing the work like and so they are the people that everybody knows because they're always out there right like not to try to joke with her like this but there's a reason why WBEZ's Natalie Moore why her name is brought (laughs) up you know like I in random meetings I will be somewhere um and someone will say well you know if you for example, if WBEZ's Natalie Moore is there, right? Like, there's a reason why, because she <laughs> puts in the work, she goes to the places, she does the thing. Some of the most popular people I know are, like, high school teachers yeah. at CPS, right? Like, I, there were there was a couple who taught at my high school, and everybody knows them, right? And so it's kind of like... Because they've just been teaching there for so long, generations. They've been teaching there for so long, generations after generations. (laughs) You know, we see them. We take photos with them. It's like like seeing a local celebrity. And and it's not just me. It's like I'll see other people where they'll say, oh, my gosh, did you see them? Yeah, I saw them, too. And so those are the people that are making such a big impact um, on – your lives and and those are the people who you never forget you always remember the things they said to you what they taught you um and you know when it comes to like black history month and us trying to 
remember who is still here, giving people their flowers while yes. they're here. That's what I remember. And even, you know, when you think about different time periods in Chicago, right? Like the Chicago Renaissance and like all these periods. Like I used to try to imagine when I was younger, what would it be like if, you know, when Langston Hughes is just, you know, mm. oh, what is Gwendolyn Brooks doing over here? And yes. what is what did Richard Wright talk about? And, you know, what are all these people? Well, mm. it's a reason why they all knew each other, yes. right? Like people are hanging in the same circles. And we don't always know those stories. We don't always know those connections. But that is, that's how a city works. That's how Chicago has always worked. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, that's why we need you, Ariane, to just orient <laughs> us, bring us into I'm, the fold. We're all learning, right? Yeah. We're all learning. We're all trying to be those people. Yeah, for sure. I love the way you're talking about this. I think it's always exciting for me to complicate the way that we talk about black history. Mm-hmm. You know, Black History Month is a great time to start to do that. Your work over the years has been a lot about black folks connected to Chicago who have made palpable strides in the world. And I want to focus on the folks who are currently alive, active, to your point about giving folks their flowers while they're here, who are some Chicagoans out here right now who are, yes, living in the present, but calling us back Mm -hmm. to those pivotal Mm -hmm. moments in Mm -hmm. black history? So one name that always comes up is Chance the Rapper. And I say that because even as recently as maybe a couple months ago, I was working on a story about the past and people were mentioning Chance as a person that reminded them of what could be for the future. Mm. And what is he doing? Yeah, like what yeah, what yeah. is it that's that is yeah, calling back to yeah, that time. Yeah, so I think, you know, well for one, recognizing I think power and ownership is a big thing. So back, you know, in the days of blues, for example, there were more smaller record labels where people could kind of own and create their own music, Mm -hmm. right? And so then you could perform it anywhere. You could kind of do your own tours. So there was just a little bit more control. You also had black tavern owners and like spots where you know so you kind of have this entertainment engine where black people are a part of making that money Mm. right um and it's not just black people but black people were not removed from the business right versus now there is a feeling that that is generally the case in these major major record labels right well you know as an independent artist chance doesn't have to worry about that um he can literally sell out stadiums by himself he can create and kind of uplift local artists so we see maybe this kind of collective work Mm -hmm. and People who notice that generally will bring that up and say, you know, this is something that we admire. This is a version of what could be a vision for more people. Like if more people did this, then maybe we could have even more people in Chicago making music. And Mm. so he's a big, bigger name, Mm -hmm. right? But I think it's just, you know, it's kind of like you got to give people they do, right? Like that's literally what people say um, in a lot of situations. Because it's true. Yeah. I mean, he's a big name, but he'd be at the promontory, you know, at the the dance party, you know, like he'll he'll show up 
one thing I also love is thinking about people reminding us that black history is now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're making it. We you know, are making right it. Now. Yeah, when I say that, what does that mean for you? So there's a group of black archivists called the Blackivists. Ah. And I actually discovered them right around the time of George Floyd's death. And they were basically teaching people how to document what they were seeing, right? So when we talk about, like, you know, black history happening now, things mm-hmm. are happening now. Yes. Um, we all have cell phones. We all have, you know, access to all these things. But, like, learning how to properly archive and document stuff is a skill, right? And as someone who really loves, for example, to go through, like, the Chicago Public Library archives, I don't just look at certain newspaper archives, right? Like, because when I look at different archives, I'm getting different point of views. Mm. So it's important, especially, like, for me as a black person, to be able to see those point of views um, that were not present in prominent newspapers because that perspective was extremely biased towards the mainstream white supposed to be objectively unobject you know that (laughs) exactly and so I am searching for the Chicago defenders I'm Mm -hmm. looking for editorials I'm reading letters if people did not digitize these things or share these things or save these things, then we wouldn't have them. And so I think that it's just such an important thing to, like, start teaching us now and today that, like, the same way that our grandparents just probably have stuff just, like, sitting in our basements, we can't just be leaving stuff on our phones. Like, when we have important stuff. Yes, and in my case, if you have iPhone, backing up. Go Back ahead. it up. Pay, pay that extra couple pay, dollars. Pay the couple dollars, Aaron. Okay. Back up, back up that iPhone because. Don't yeah, tell I me lost. you look. Aaron. I you started talking about the future a little bit, and I kind of want to lean into that, as especially as a sci fi sci fi nerd alert. Uh oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just always thinking about Afrofutures. Okay. You know, the future okay. is also now. Yeah. Right? Um, and yeah, what we'll gets you excited? When you think about the future of Black Chicago? Mm, I think what makes me really excited is that I think that these kids are so cool. Mm. And when I say kids, I really mean kids. Like the the Chicago kids, I know. This Gen Alpha, they're at the Museum of Contemporary Arts today. They're, you know, MSI tomorrow. (laughs) These kids are city kids, okay, Mm -hmm. in the best way. And I Mm -hmm. think that their exposure to the arts, to libraries, to parks, I think that it's really reminiscent of how we grew up. I'm a city kid. I'm a park kid. I'm a library kid. Like, all of those Mm. city things were a part of me growing up. Yeah. They were a part of what made me. I utilized all the resources. Um, and I think that it seems as if we're getting back to that. Mm-hmm. So, like, when they get older, 
They're going to know these artists. They're not going to be afraid to create and to dream and to learn. And that's what we want for them, right? Like we want them to be open and we want them to be like just kind of unafraid to really dream. And when you have that space, these kids are going to be unstoppable. Mm. And so every generation, I think that we have a little bit more freedom to play. We weren't always able to play, right? And I think that we are the first adults. <laughs> millennials are the, the millennials. First adults. We're the first adults that can like play. We can play, right? <laughs> yes, we're like here for play, play. Right? We're, <laughs> yes. we're making the cartoons. We are doing the Marvel movies. Yeah, we're the anime. We're proud anime geeks. Yes, okay. yes, yes. I'm the one that was calling my niece like, "Girl, you trying to go see Barbie?" Okay, <laughs> Period. because Period. this is what this is what I'm trying. This is the day I'm trying to go. So yes. you coming with me? This is the day I'm going. This is my Barbie costume for mm-hmm. Halloween. Like, what are you doing? Yes, okay? exactly. So we are playing, and so they are. They get to play with us. They get to see us play. Yes. Um, so valuable. And we have kind of hopefully created this open space for them to feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in this, Ariane? Oh, <laughs> Aaron. I know I put you on the spot. I'm sorry, but I mean you're here. Um, you know, you get you get flowers too. I mean, I see so many people that I look up to that I want to be. Right. And so this year, I'm just really focused on like community first. Right. Like if there's something I'm a I'm I'm from I'm a black girl from the south side of Chicago. If ever there is something I can do for my community, I'm going to do it. I feel honored to be in this community. I feel honored to have grown up in it. Um, I feel like it's just lucky. Like, I could not have grown up in a better place in the world. Like, to be from Chicago, what? It's pretty great. To be, to, to be a black woman from Chicago, like, this, I I hit the lottery. And so, <laughs> um, just whatever I can give back to all of the intersections of the things that have, have made me me is what I hope to do. Like, I want that to be my legacy. Ariane Nettles is a lecturer and director of audio journalism programming at Northwestern University's Medill School. Ariane, thank you. Thank you. Ariane is hosting a couple of episodes of WBEZ's Curious City podcast as well this month. One of them is about the history of Black history. And the other one is all about the American Negro Exposition, a.k.a. the Black World's Fair, which was held in Chicago in 1940. That episode is out right now. Check it out. And that's it for today. Thanks to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Brendan Banizak is our executive producer. Ethan Schwab and Deshaun Smith engineered this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR Network. And if you haven't gone to Apple Podcasts and reviewed us yet, give us a five-star review. It helps more people find The Rundown and I'll shout you out on the show. 
I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you later.